Welcome to the Relationship Church Podcast. This is our midweek service where we dive deeper into the Word of God, studying the Bible together as a body. We invite you to grab your Bibles, open your minds, and prepare to search the Scriptures with us. We are Relationship Church, the Whole Life Church. We are going to uh, talk tonight about finding comfort in a world full of grief, finding comfort um, in a world full of grief. There's so much going on these days. Um, and, you know, even before the pandemic, but especially since the pandemic, and there's been um, just so much death, distress, uh, stress, uh, worry, anxiety, depression that have gripped so much of us even inside the body of Christ. So, um, you know, the Lord just really led me to uh, to talk to you guys tonight uh, about that. And when I say grief, a lot of times we think about grief and um, we just think about death, but grief is really anything uh, that's distressing you. So tonight, um, I guess our, our topic of sorts is uh, good grief, good grief, trying to uh, navigate how to find the good in grief, how to um, find joy and peace, excuse me, joy and peace and comfort in, um, in a world that seems to be full of grief. All right, so uh, just four quick points tonight. Uh, really simple stuff. You might want to take some notes or um, just keep some keep some notes or some mental notes. Uh, but the first thing we're going to talk about uh, with regards to comfort, finding comfort in grief, uh, is we're going to first look to the source. And if you're at this Bible study or listening to this Bible study later on a podcast, uh, you know where you came to, so you know what our source is. But let's just go ahead and go. I'm going to read this in the NIV. Uh, it's Psalm 119 and 76 through 78. Psalm 119 and 76 through 78. Uh, so that is our first point tonight is that we have to make sure uh, when we are dealing with grief and when we're looking for comfort that we're looking to the correct source. And Psalm 119, 76 through 78 says, may your unfailing love be my comfort. According to your promise, according to your promise to your servant, let your compassion come to me that I may live. For your law is my delight. May the arrogant be put to shame for wronging me without cause, but I will meditate on your precepts. So here we see uh, the psalmist, he's faced with injustices and trouble in life uh, with and he's facing that though with his focus on God, with his focus on the word of God. So his source for him, he said the source, of course, we know that our source is God when we're talking about comfort. In fact, the scripture specifically says, Paul says in the New Testament, that God is the God of all comfort. Uh, 
We should be looking to him for all of our comfort. And then he says that we are to take the comfort, which God comforts us and comfort other people. So we know at the root and at the source that God is our comfort. But here in Psalm 119, verse 76 through 78, he takes it a little further and he says specifically that the love of God, knowing that I am loved by God, uh, that God's love literally encompasses me and surrounds me knowing what lengths God will go through because he loves me to make sure that I'm comforted. The fact that if you're in a place where you don't feel comforted, and we'll talk about some other things that could be wrong, but if we're in a place where we don't feel the comfort of God, it may be because we're not really correctly understanding his love. And sometimes going through hard trials and going through hard things that seem to be for no reason at all, we have to believe and stand on the fact that the Lord told us that he would work all things out for our good. So if we're going through a situation that has disturbed our peace, uh, of course, first we have to find peace in God. But as far as dealing with that particular situation and what's going on, we turn to the source of God. But then we also realize that, okay, God is allowing this because he wants me to be comforted. He wants me to be loved, but he wants me to be comforted sometimes in seemingly uncomfortable situations. That's how I know it's God because the scripture talks about and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but he says the peace of God made the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It's, it's the peace of God. It's not our peace. So it's only found in God. When the scripture talks about that and it says the peace of God, it's it's God's peace. It's it's borrowed peace. So it cannot be exercised outside of relationship with God. So when you're not in peace and you want peace, you have to move closer to him because you're sharing or borrowing his peace. Uh, you think about, you know, being uh, in a bed, anybody that's ever, you know, you have siblings or if you're married or whatever the case may be, and you're in a bed with somebody else and you share a comforter, right? Well, you can't share that comforter if you're on the other side of the room. You know, that comforter can only be shared when you're close to the person who has the comforter. So with what he's saying, when he says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, he's saying you have to be close to the source of the comfort. Okay, you got to be close to the source of the peace. And many of us, we want to exercise the peace of God outside of relationship with God. And unfortunately, it just don't work that way. Now, you might experience some of it under his mercy because God is so amazing and merciful. And so you may experience some of his peace even outside of the will of God because of his grace and his mercy toward us. And we've all needed that. But at the end of the day, we have to be careful uh, when, when our peace is disrupted, but we have not found it in him as our source. So he says, may your unfailing love be my comfort, that love of God that is unfailing, that love of God that will go uh, through the depths to find you, that will go to the deepest of situations, that will go to the end of your mistakes and that find you in the midst of your sin. That is his unfailing love. He says, according to your promise to me, because you promised me, God, that you would comfort me. And so we have to make sure, uh, you know, he, he's finding, he asked for justice. 
you know, in this particular situation, he's having grief, not because of death or something that is, uh, uh, that, that has happened in life, but he's having grief because of something someone has done to him in a way that he has been wrong. And while he wants a uh, vengeance, so to speak, he realizes vengeance is God's. And, and so many times now we see people that are like glorying in the vengeance. Well, you know, you do me wrong and you're going to find out because, you know, on and on and on. And we got all these reasons as to why, uh, uh, vengeance is good and we glory in the vengeance, but you don't see him glorying in the vengeance, even though he asked for vengeance. The scripture tells us to pray for our enemies, right? And so we don't see him glorying in the vengeance. What does he do? He glories and delights in God. He glories and delights in the word of God. He glories and delights in God's precepts. So that's the first step. The first step to having comfort in God is to make sure that God is our source of comfort. We're not finding comfort in the bottle. We're not finding comfort in a cigarette. We're not finding comfort uh, uh, in, in marijuana. We're not finding comfort in prescription drugs. We're not finding comfort in, in all these different things that the world has manufactured to comfort us. But as much as is possible in everything that we do, we are finding comfort straight from the source, which is God. God may provide certain resources. You know, there, there's times where you may find comfort in food. I'm not saying that that's necessarily a sin, uh, you know, that, that, you know, obviously outside of gluttony, it's not, you, you need to take care of our bodies. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, but, but, but even finding comfort in something like food or finding comfort in something like exercise, a healthy habit, which is good, but that's still a resource. God is the source of all comfort. Okay. Conflicts and troubles are going to happen in our life. And so we have to make sure that when we are wronged, that our response is not to hit back, our response is not to stew in it, but our response is to, to uh, build ourselves up in God, to think about his unfailing and unwavering comfort that he gives, amen? All right, so uh, that's the first step. That's the first step. Uh, it, it's tempting to delight in a lot of other things, but the thing that we wanna delight in is God as our source, his unfailing love. So that was Psalm 119 and 76 through 78. Um, and you guys, at, you guys can interrupt me with questions at any time as, especially as I'm going from point to point. So that was point one. And that was making sure that God is your source or specifically that his unwavering love is your source. So if you have any questions, you can unmute or you can just raise your hand or type them in the chat. And we'll move on to the next, which is the next thing after you've got God as your source it is repent and rejoice, repent and rejoice. So once we have turned back to God, there's a lot of times where, you know, we, we, uh, and I know this has happened in my life over and over and over again. You know, I move away from God. I move away from that comfort. If we're talking about the example of the bed, I move far, far, too far away from God where that comfort, that comforter that we talked about, uh, that, that blanket can no longer cover me because it's God's peace. So I'm trying to lose myself in God. And in that way, I lose myself in all the good things of God. I lose myself in his comfort. So when we have moved too far away from him, we have to turn back to God as our source. Uh, but one of the things that we may need to do a lot of times to get back into that peace is repent. Because if we have gotten away from God's peace, if we've gotten away from God's joy, gotten away from God's love, gotten away from his peace and comfort, then um, there's likely something that carried us away from that. 
And so, you know, sometimes we think about repenting and, you know, we're, we're a little callous towards repenting because we want to say, well, like, well, I ain't sinned. I haven't sinned or, you know, I, I wasn't uh, in nobody's bed or I wasn't, you know, and, and we have these kind of ideas of like the sin that we think of that you need to repent from. But, you know, sometimes you may need to repent just for having a complaining mindset. You know, Lord, I, I you know, it, it may not be what we think of as, as, as traditional sin, but you know, Lord, I, I just had, when this happened, I, I, my reaction to this situation was not to pray. My reaction to this situation was to get one of my friends on the phone and start telling them about what happened and complaining about what my boss did. Lord, help me to turn to you. Before I called them, I should have prayed, even if it was a short prayer. Lord, help me, forgive me for um, just having a bad attitude with somebody. Yeah, they deserved it and they really made me angry, but God, I could have dealt with that in love like you deal with me in love, even when I'm wrong. So when I say repent, don't necessarily think that I'm talking about repenting uh, from something that you would have necessarily went to hell for, right? Uh, sometimes repentance just has to do with acknowledging to God that you're ready to go in a different direction. Lord, I repent that, um, that, I, that I have had anxiety uh, because my anxiety will show the lack of trust and faith in you. And God, I'm not perfect. I'm probably gonna have anxiety again, but I do repent of that, which means I really am trying to turn. I'm turning in a different direction. And then also rejoice. So let's go to Nehemiah 8 and 10 and look at an example there. Nehemiah 8 and 10. It said, he said to them, uh, I'll give you a couple of seconds to get there. This is um, when they're rebuilding Jerusalem, of course. That was really what the book of Nehemiah uh, what the, the whole theme of the book of Nehemiah was, was rebuilding the city. And uh, as they're rebuilding the city, the scripture says, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord and we, and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the people were mourning after he read the law to them. He had read the law and the people began to mourn because they were able to see their sinfulness. They were able to see places where they didn't match up. Now, this was a generation that was actually rebuilding the wall after, uh, after the people had ended up after the people had ended up in a place um, uh, where they had been exiled, these people were coming back in. They're rebuilding the walls to Jerusalem. They're trying to uh, get into a place where they can, you know, have the uh, a, a, a center of worship again. So, in, in to make it really simple, this kind of may dumb it down a little bit, but to make it really simple, these were the good people. These were the good guys. Uh, they weren't the ones off in the in the hills worshiping false God. These people were actually trying to live their life for God. They were trying to get back to the precepts and the and the uh, the the mindset that here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And and they were still mourning because one, they realized their own sinfulness. It's nothing like the mirror of the word of God to show you, no matter how good you think you are, it's nothing like the word of God to show you yourself in certain areas and bring you to a place of humility. It's not, for, it's not that God is trying to make us feel bad. He wants to bring us to a place of humility because from a place of humility is where he can exalt us. And so he, he's allowing them here to be in a place where they realize how they strayed from the Lord. 
They're rebuilding the ruins, ruins of Jerusalem after a previous generation's unfaithfulness. But they're even mourning not only over their own unfaithfulness, may, which may seem to be small compared to the past generation that was wor worshiping false gods, but, but they're mourning, period. Uh, and, and as they repented and as they mourned, Nehemiah urged them to celebrate their commitment and let the joy of the Lord be their strength. See, we always think that repentance has to be something that is just, you know, it, it may bring tears to your eyes. And when you realize sometimes that you've strayed far from God, it may put you in a place of, of, of sadness for a moment. But truthfully, when you repent, you should also rejoice because the Bible tells us that repentance comes from God. So that means that if I'm in a place where I'm seeing myself and I'm seeing my sin, that means that the Lord has allowed his mirror of his word to shine or to, to reflect upon me, to show me where I am. But the good thing about repentance is that good things are coming. When you repent, good things are coming. So it's not really a time for you to just be mourning and sad and on and on and on, you repent and then you immediately return, you, you immediately turn to rejoicing because there's good things coming. Uh, the scripture tells us that God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. So when we get to a place where uh, 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 we see a need for repentance, we ought to begin to rejoice because comfort is coming, joy is coming, peace is coming to us because we made that decision to repent. So uh, after we realize God is our source, we realize how far that we maybe have floated from him and we need to get back to that comfort. We need to get back to that peace of God. We repent. We repent and then we begin to rejoice. And the scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Lord's joy is our hope for tomorrow. And so that joy, that joy, you've never heard anybody be in grief and enjoy at the same time. You've never heard anybody have joy, but not be not feel comfort. When you have joy, that means that things are fitting together. Things are working together. You feel comforted by your situation. So he said, what is your comfort? It's the joy of the Lord that gives us strength. It's the joy of the Lord that gives us what we need to push forward and to move on. But guess what? Just like it was the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, it's the joy of the Lord that gives you the strength that you need. So again, you can't stray too far from God if you want his joy, because it's his joy, it's not your joy. So you got to stay connected again to the source, not only for his peace, not only for his comfort, but Nehemiah tells us here that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So stay connected to the source. If you've strayed from the source, then we need to repent and rejoice. Um, sorry, I thought somebody had a question. I thought I saw a hand go up. Uh, we need to repent and rejoice. And then what's next? The next thing is we ask God for wisdom and insight. Ask God for wisdom and insight. Uh, there's a song that I think the Clark sisters, or maybe it was just Twinkie Clark, saying that was accept what God allows accept what God allows. And that's true. We absolutely have to accept what God allows. But the, the, the thing about it, the cheat code to accepting what God allows is that you can pray for wisdom. The scripture tells us in the book of James that if any man lacks wisdom, that he is to ask of God who giveth liberally to all men and abradeth not. That means he's not going to find fault with you. He's not going to say shame on you for not having wisdom. He's going to give you wisdom and he's not going to judge you for asking. He's going to give you wisdom and he's not going to um, 
make you feel lesser than, so to speak. He's going to give you wisdom and understanding. So for this one, let's go back to Psalm 119. This time we're going to go, um, this time we're going to go uh, to verses 123 through 125, 123 to 125. Psalm 119 verses 123 through 125. And then we're going to cut down to verses 69, 169 through 171. Uh, so first it says in, in Psalm 119 verse 123 through 25, it says, my eyes fail looking for your salvation looking for your righteous promise, deal with your servant according to your love and teach me your decrees. I'm your servant. Give me discernment that I may understand your statutes. Give me discernment, he says, that I may understand your statutes. Again, my eyes fail, he said. He said, I'm frustrated. My eyes are failing. I've been looking for you to save me, looking for your righteous promises. I'm not seeing your promises. I'm not seeing you save me the way that I thought you would. He says, deal with your servant according to your love. Lord, give me your love. Let me feel your love. He says, and teach me your decrees or your precepts or your word. And he says, I am your servant. Give me discernment that I may understand your statutes. So he's asking the Lord earnestly, you know, uh, for discernment. God, give me discernment. Uh, and, and sometimes um, understanding a little more about what you're going through helps you to go through. I don't know about you, but it's nothing worse than like going through something and feeling like you really don't know why. You don't really know why this is happening to you. You don't really have any idea. Uh, you can't discern, uh, so to speak, why what's happening to you is happening or going on but the scripture tells us that we are to ask the lord for wisdom we can ask the lord for discernment the spirit of discernment is not just something that you know some people will say oh yeah she just got a discerning spirit or she got the spirit of discernment so can you god can give you a spirit of discernment the scripture says just pray for it ask him for uh the ability to be able to discern uh what is going on but i don't know about you it's something about knowing why that sometimes makes it a little bit easier to bear. Sometimes knowing why just makes things a little bit easier to bear. Uh, down in verse 169 through 171, it says, Oh Lord, listen to my cry. Give me the discerning mind you promised. Listen to my prayers. Rescue me as you promised. Let praise flow from my lips, for you have taught me your decrees. Let my tongue sing about your word, for all your commands are right. Verse 173 says, give me a helping hand for I have chosen to follow your commandments. Okay, that uh, I didn't have that one in my notes, but we'll, I wanted to read that one too. Uh, so again, he's asking for discernment. He says, God, I've asked you for discernment. God, I need discernment. And, and, and he's praying earnestly that God will give him discernment that he may understand. Right. That's a good point, Elder Neal, uh, that he, he uh, Job, that was one of the reasons that it was so hard for Job to go through is because he couldn't understand what was going on. It made it so difficult for him. And, and again, in your own life, I'm sure we can all think of times. It's one thing to go through something and you kind of know why, like, okay, well, you know, I'm broke because I spent all my money on this thing and that probably wasn't the greatest idea, but you know, okay. Uh, I learned from that. So I'll know next time. 
But it's a completely other thing to just be suffering or to be broke or to have a problem. And you're just like, I don't understand the issue. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know what's going on. You know, I keep doing two plus two and I should have four and it still keeps coming out to one and I just don't get it. And so God says in those times, you know, our comfort many times can just come from asking God for a discerning spirit to understand exactly what's going on. Okay. When you don't, you don't know how or when God will intervene on your life. And it's beyond our control. We're surrounded many times by people who will cast doubt on the things of God. Uh, but what we have to do is make sure that uh, we look to the word of God. We look to examples from the word of God and don't allow people to cast doubt in our life that maybe things just won't get better. Maybe it just won't work out for us. I don't care how long it's been. Look at the woman with the issue of blood. Year after year after year after year, she went to doctors, she went to different people trying to figure out, but eventually she got the touch that she needed. She may not have ever understood why she went through what she went through, um, but, but, but she didn't get so stuck in her situation that she just allowed herself to believe that it would never get better. But understanding helps us so much to understand, I'm sorry, having understanding helps us so much when we're trying to deal with the comforts of life. So asking, the third thing is asking for insight, asking for discernment, okay? And then we have last one last one. And the last thing is when it comes to comfort, uh, it, it is to guard your mind, guard your mind or guard your gates, guard your gates. Um, and for that one, we're going to go back to the book of Nehemiah. We're just spending pretty much the whole night in Nehemiah and Psalm 119. Um, guard your gates. So in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 13, uh, the first time we were in chapter number eight, I believe it was. Yes. So we're just going a few ahead in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 13. And it says, uh, then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember this also in my favor, oh my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. So this is Nehemiah, he's talking. And so what happened was, you know, the, the, the commandment of the Old Testament was that they were to keep the Sabbath day holy. They weren't supposed to use it like a regular work day to go about uh, making money and doing the normal things of business. It was supposed to be, it was supposed to be a time for them uh, to be able to um, uh, rest, relax, refrain. It probably kept them from getting too greedy uh, because you know they were constantly trying to work and, and make a living, but this was an opportunity for them to stop and to just calm themselves and to just remember to put God first, the first day of the week to put God first. And so Nehemiah was seeing that, that again, this Old Testament law that it was a law, you know, as, as much as it sounds funny that God commanded rest, it was a sin to them not to do what the word of God commanded because that was their commandment under the law. And so he saw this going on and he said, he put out people to guard the gates. You know what? This is not a time where people should be working. This is not a time where people should be coming in and out. So he told them to guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. So Nehemiah helped to reestablish the city after he helped to reestablish the city of Jerusalem. He found many people continued to conduct business. He was forced to take dramatic steps and send the Levites to guard the gates of the city to ensure that the people actually observed the Sabbath. So 
we, we really get two points in this one. The point here was to guard the gates. He was watching what was happening. And, and in that way, I want you to understand to guard your mind, like the scripture tells us in Proverbs, it says to guard your, guard your mind because out of it flows the issues of life. We've done a whole Bible study on that in the past, knowing that out of our heart, uh, we, it says guard your heart with all your, with guard your heart with uh, above all guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. And that type of heart that it's talking about when it says to guard your heart is really talking about our mind, to guard our mindset. What do we have our heart or our mind set on? And it should be set on the word of God. And so he says, guard your heart, above all guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. I believe that's Proverbs 4 and 22, but that may be completely wrong, but I believe it's in Proverbs 4, guard your heart. Guard your heart, guard your mind. What are you looking at? You know, the way that we guard our mind, it's very simple. It's very simple. And it really comes down to this. The way that you guard your heart, the way that you guard your mind is you guard your gates. What are your gates? It's your, like he talked about the gate to the city where you've got different kinds of gates. Your gates are your eye gates, your ear gates, your mouth gate, and your thought gate. But what gets to your thought gate has to do with what comes through your, what comes to your ear gates, what comes out of your mouth gate, and what you see with your eye gate. Those are the, those are the three things that really develop our thoughts. It seems sometimes like a thought just comes out of nowhere, but I guarantee you, you never had a thought that didn't have a root. That was either your ears, your eyes, your mouth, something you heard, something you saw, something you allowed yourself to say, okay? Um, and so we have to be careful with those things. That is how we guard our mind. That is how we guard our gates. So sometimes when we are anxious or stressed, we're not feeling the comfort of God, the love of God. It's because our eyes have been seeing things that we shouldn't be seeing. Uh, we've been watching things on television that we shouldn't be watching. We've been, you know, it, it always amazes me when somebody's like, you know, I've just been tormented and I'm having all these issues. And then they talk about the vampire shows that they watch, the things that seem to be, you know, uh, that, that seem to be, oh, you know, not really that big of a deal. They're listening to things that they shouldn't listen to. I heard somebody talking uh, not too long ago, talking about how they were listening to some music that they shouldn't have been listening to and just let that get in their spirit, just listening to it for hours. And then the next thing you know, they was making a bad decision, doing something that they probably wouldn't have normally did. But, but that music that they listened to for just hours and hours and hours on end, that wasn't glorifying God, that was talking about sex, that was talking about cursing, was talking about drugs, whatever, then all of a sudden, they're making decisions that they wouldn't have normally made. You talking to people, you hearing people talk, you sitting at dinner, you just saying anything that comes out of your mouth, just putting that out in the atmosphere. That is, those are the kind of things that will strip you of your comfort, strip you of your peace. Uh, and so when you're in a situation where you need to be comforted, you have to watch what you say. You have to watch what you hear. Somebody's talking something crazy, you get up and leave. You watching something and they start saying something crazy, you get up and leave. We wanna listen to the word of God. We want our eyes to see pure things. We want to make sure that, that our mindset is stayed on him because he said he'd keep us in perfect peace if our mind is stayed on him. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Our uh, perfect peace is for those whose mind is stayed on him. Yeah, that's a good scripture. Um, 
that's a good scripture there. It says, uh, study to be quiet and do your own business and do work with your own hands as we commanded you. Uh, I believe another version of that says, uh, study to live a quiet life. You know, it's not that you shouldn't have friends. It's not that you don't want to, especially when you're talking about godly friends and things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, the Bible says study to live a quiet life, just study to live a life that's, uh, you know, some of the greatest people in life that I know are people who really just live a quiet life. It ain't a lot of fuss around them. They, they got a lot of um claims to fame so to speak they got a lot of things that they've accomplished with their lives uh but but they just kind of mind their own business and do their own thing they're not always up in the gossip and around everything no they're guarding their mind they're keeping their mind stayed on jesus and so those are the four things uh that will really help you to stay in peace to stay in the comfort of god to have comfort in a world that's full of grief realizing that god's everlasting and unfailing love is your source understanding that sometimes when you've gotten too far away from the peace of God and the comfort of God and started finding your comfort in other things that you've got to repent and turn around, but then also remembering that you get to rejoice. Uh, and, and there's been so many times where, you know, I've had something happen in my life and it's sad to admit this, you know, but, but it's true. I have something going on in my life and I'll be so stressed out about it. And all of a sudden this overarching peace will just come over me because I just realized, you know what, I get to pray about this. You know, I, I think if I really take this to God in prayer, he'll work it out. It may not be something where I get done praying and I'm just like, oh, I knew the Lord would work it out. That whole situation is over. I, I got up from prayer and it was a text message to my phone and it was exactly what I needed to hear. No, but, but one thing I can do, I can pray for peace. I can pray for discernment, which is step number three. I can pray that God will help me to guard my mind, which is step number four. I can pray that God will uh, give me the peace that surpasses, surpasses all understanding. I can pray that the Lord will give me a mindset where I want to be closer to him and have more of a relationship with him so that I can take advantage of his peace and I can take advantage of his love and I can take advantage of his comfort. I can pray those things. And so that is a privilege. And, and sometimes we forget that. We just get overwhelmed by the cares of life. The vicissitudes of life just shake the, the boats of our life, the, the waves of this, of this world and the things that happen just shake our little boat of life. And we're like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? But, but I thank the Lord for the scripture where even in the midst of everything that was going on, once it got too bad, they woke up Jesus. Once it got too bad and they couldn't take it anymore, they decided, you know what, let's go wake up Jesus. And, and that's sometimes how you feel when the things of life just overcome you. But, but we got to get better at waking Jesus up a little bit earlier. And I use that in a, in a uh, um, of course, in a, in a way of just giving an example. We know that the scripture tells us that God neither slumbers nor sleep. And his natural man is Jesus, he did. Uh, but but for us waking up Jesus, I use that synonymously in a way to say to pray, to 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 say, hey, okay, God, I, I'm sorry I didn't come to you earlier. Uh, but but it's so important for us to get to that point where we just say, you know what? Um, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And that's how we'll end it right there. Lead me to the rock. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. Rock represents stability. God is there. He's still there. He's still the source of your comfort. His over everlasting love is still the rock, the anchor of your soul. Amen.
Does anyone have any questions? Uh, we'll end a little early here unless we have some questions. Um, and, and for those of you that want the scripture reference, it was Psalm 119 and 76 through 78, Nehemiah 8 and 10, Psalm 119 and 120, I'm sorry, 119 and 123 through 25, and then 169 through 171, and then it was Nehemiah 13 and 22. Amen. Yeah, another good point uh, there, uh, Dad, to wake up the Holy Spirit, we have ignored. The scripture tells us specifically in the book of, uh, I believe it's 1 Timothy, maybe 2 Timothy, but he tells him to stir up the gift that is on the inside of him. Uh, so in other words, wake up the gift. Sometimes we have to wake up the Holy Ghost that's on the inside of us. Not because there's anything wrong with the Holy Ghost, but because we have been lulled to sleep and we got to wake ourselves up and remember that we are kingdom citizens and we have a right and a responsibility and we have an ability that we don't have to live our life in fear. We don't have to live our life constantly not being well, constantly. Somebody asks you, how you doing? I ain't doing too good. You know, just always sad, always frustrated. Um, always in despair you you all know people like that don't you it's like you you almost hate to ask them how they doing because you know it's like oh my god that happened three years ago and they still just complaining and fussing and sad and you know that is not how god intends for us to be he intends for us to have joy he intends for us to be comforted by him amen amen Father, we thank you, Father, for this time tonight, learning about you, learning about the comfort that we have, the ability that we have to be comforted through the Holy Spirit, which actually means comforter in the Greek. Uh, uh, and, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity to know and realize that no matter what we may be going through, that our comfort is just a prayer away. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that today's message has been a blessing and makes an eternal impact on your life. Come join us live on Sunday at 1245 p.m. Central Time. If you're in the St. Louis metro area, we meet at 1060 Chambers Road, a little over a mile south on Bell Fountain Road from Highway 270. You can also join us via Zoom. The login number is 314-720-8880. You can call that same number to reach someone on our ministry team or text the word connect there to be in the know regarding upcoming events. Again, that number is 314-720-8880. We are Relationship Church. Come grow with us.